I'm so thankful for our team and so thankful for you. Uh, welcome to Real Life. My name is Richie, our lead pastor, and uh, I believe with all my heart that God got you here for a reason today. Today is 13 years ago that we started Real Life here in Spokane. Can you believe that? Um, Pretty amazing, pretty amazing to um, be sitting here together after all those years, all that um, mayhem of getting things up and rolling. And uh, I was thinking about giving. He was talking about tithing and, and finances. You know, when we started, we had nothing. Uh, all these other churches in the area gave so that this church could get started. And, and I think about how powerful it is now that as you are tithing and faithfully a part of what God is doing here financially, we're able to give. We're, we're a part of helping other churches get planted, not only here in our city, but around the country, around the world. Uh, and, and that faithfulness always begets more fruitfulness uh, for the kingdom. And so thank you for giving that way. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing. Thank you for serving and inviting and loving and uh, munching donuts. Uh, come on, it is awesome, isn't it? I hear all those, those donut papers rattling in the room. I love it. I love it. And who cannot, I mean, we cannot complain about almost 80 degrees in October. Uh, are we not thankful for that too? I am, uh, I'm just practicing enjoy today, all right? Like, we have a lot to be thankful for, a lot that is going on. Uh, as you know, in the last couple of weeks, two and a half weeks, I think it is, 17 more people have been baptized into Jesus Christ around here. That is, that's an absolute miracle. <clears throat> that's an absolute miracle. Over the last 13 years, I think we're celebrating close to 1,700 people that have been baptized into Jesus Christ since this church got started. That's, that's amazing. That is, this city is being changed by the grace and the goodness of God uh, through you, through so many people that are so faithfully a part of what God is doing around here. And uh, I just love, love being a part of this whole thing with you. And I uh, just want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. And thank you for praying. And thank you for loving and serving and inviting and giving and, and, and just saying, you know what, Jesus, whatever your kingdom requires of me, God, I am all in. I am passionate about it and I am excited for it. And so Grayson chatted about 101 a minute ago, but you're new to real life and you're like, hey, I want to be a part of the next 13 years. I want to be a part of these miracles coming up. That's where everybody starts is 101. We want you there today. Lunch, child care provided. It is a great chance for you to really understand who we are, where we're going, how you could be a part, get connected, get involved. Uh, it's a powerful, powerful time this afternoon. You'll be here about 90 minutes. Uh, if you plan on that, it is a great, great time. Love for everybody that's new at Real Life to start there at 101 this afternoon, 115. I want you to open your Bible today. We're finishing up a, a series of conversations about um, what it's like to have a life that's so much more significant than just what we can see and understand here on this planet. Uh, we believe at the core of us are people that are made for eternity. You have a soul inside you that is going to live for eternity, either eternally connected and in right relationship with God through Jesus Christ in a real place called heaven or eternally separated from God in, in a real place of eternal existence called hell. Really, Jesus is the, the pivot of that whole conversation. Where you stand with Jesus determines heaven or hell. And, and you and I um, in this room are coming to faith in Jesus, putting our whole hope in him and a whole desire in him and having him shape us for his purposes. But man, we struggle at times to live like, like we're actually made for eternity. We struggle because life is just happening and there's all kinds of issues and we're busy and we're sick and we're, we're discouraged and we're doubting and we're frustrated and relationships are broken and things are hard. I know for me, I get discouraged all the time. I'm an emotional guy. Ask my wife. I am kind of like roller coaster guy a lot of times. And, and, 
It's easy in those down times to really kind of lose heart and lose track of why we do what we do and is this life really significant and important and am I really living for something so much more than myself and this temporary life that I'm in? Is there really eternal impact coming out of this soul or am I just caught up in busyness and just kind of doing temporary things that don't really matter? I think at the core of us, we have a desire to be significant. I think that's inside you. It's a desire to have a life that's eternally significant, not just temporarily significant, but actually eternity is being impacted through your life. And at the core of this conversation is like, we are made for more than this. How do we live like it, even though we're in such a, a crazy world? I mean, you look at the you look at the attacks in Israel yesterday. You look at everything that's moving around our lives right now, and it's so, so real how much life has just kind of got us by the throat. God, teach us to live for more than this. Teach us to see who you are and the, the life that you have for us and the eternity that you want us to be a part of. And God, give us that vision to see beyond the temporary to see what, what you really have in mind for each of our lives. And so I want to talk about significance today, how to live with significance in mind. Actually, the way Jesus asked us to. All of you open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That's where I'll get to um, in like 30 minutes. But I want you to have that because uh, I'm being realistic, okay? Uh, uh, I, I want you to have the, your finger there because I, it's such just a powerful, powerful part of this conversation today. Um, let me set the stage just theologically for this, this conversation. Um, from the very beginning of Jesus' life and ministry and teaching, he has always been modeling and calling his disciples, those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord, Savior, always calling us to be people who live for significance, who actually live um, so that other people can experience eternity as well. Jesus said to his disciples early on, freely you have received, now freely give. What you have heard from me, now I want you to go give to someone else. Significance for us is not found in us finding success in this world and in this life. Significance is so much more eternal than what many of us have bought into. The world is preaching at you what significance looks like. It comes down to dollars. It comes down to the right relationships. It comes down to all things that are temporary and aren't going to last, but but the kingdom that Jesus is preaching is a kingdom of humans and souls and lives being impacted and set free for all of eternity. The most significant people are people that are actually seeing eternity shaped in other people through you, that your life would actually become a life of sacrifice. That's where significance starts to really come into your life. Jesus called his early disciples to this in Matthew 4, 19. He's like, all right, guys, come follow me. I'm going to show you what significance looks like. I'm going, I'm going to make you into fishers of men. You've been fishing for fish and making money and doing all those things, but I want to show you an eternity-shaping life. I want to show you what significance really looks like. He spends three years with these guys, investing them intentionally, and, and then at the end of his life, his time here on, on earth and his ministry here, he's going to heaven. He's like, all right, now what I've done with you, uh, I want you to go do with others. This is Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go make disciples the way I've discipled you. Now, I want you to go do that same thing. I want you to go make disciples of all nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. 
Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And, and I love this promise and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus models this life of significance and um, sacrifice in John chapter 12. Uh, Grayson preached out of John 12 last week as this call to give of our lives. He says, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. He's getting his disciples ready for his departure. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat, he's speaking of his own life, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. It's insignificant. It doesn't really have an impact, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. It's so counterintuitive. We think we got to make so much of our lives. And Jesus is like, no, the life that you really are looking for is found in a place of death where you're actually sacrificing yourself and your dreams and your desires so that God can take that life and make something supernatural out of it, multiplying fruitful out of it. He says, whoever loses his life, whoever loves his life will actually lose it, he says. But whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Jesus is our model. If we're going to serve him, we must follow him even to this place of sacrifice and, and really dying to our dreams and our desires. And where I am, there will my servant be also. He says, if anyone serves me, the father will honor him. I love this call, this desire to get beyond ourselves into a place where significance starts to come out of our lives, not because we're making much of our lives, but because we are laying our lives down. That's the trap. That's the, that's the slippery thing right there. Fight for significance from the world's standard and the world's definition, or, or actually come to a place of humility and recognition. Like the only way to actually have significance is to go Jesus way. He says, where Servants, uh, if you're going to follow me, you're going to be where I am. Let's go where Jesus is. And then what I love is that the church picks up this picture of significance. When, when people of Jesus' day hear this message and are responding to his grace and his goodness, Acts chapter 2, it's Jesus has departed now, he's gone in, into heaven. People hear the good news of Jesus Christ, one of the 12 disciples that were with Jesus for those three years, Peter is preaching this message about Jesus and his love for mankind and the way that he sacrificed himself so that everybody could be made right with God. And, and he ends his sermon with like, and you killed him. He's dead. You, you killed him, but he rose from the dead. And, and, and if you would you put your faith in him, then you could be made right with God too. 3,000 people are added to the church in that day. And, and it's this miraculous outbreak of baptism and just this outpouring of God's grace and God's spirit. You fast forward in the next couple of chapters and it's just the church is overwhelming and soon they're entrusting to other leaders, these seven uh, men, uh, to help kind of take care of the church and love and serve the church. And, and, and there's this process of multiplication that just begins to pour out as people have received, now they're giving. As they've, as they've been poured into, now they're pouring into others. And the church begins to multiply. I love what Acts 12, 24 says, the word of God increased and multiplied. 
It was amidst suffering and persecution. It was amidst difficulties and tragedies and struggles. But the word of God continued to increase and multiply and lives were impacted. Paul calls Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 to the same lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of significance. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I want you to be strong, not in your own strength, but in the strength that is in Christ Jesus. Because you don't have what it takes to have a significant life. Only Jesus' power inside you can give you a life that's significant. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, I want you to entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This process of receiving and investing, what I've received, what's been given to me, now I begin to give to other people around us. This is what has, has been the secret of Jesus' kingdom for centuries now. It's what people are, are experiencing in the power and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. They are beginning to give and entrust and, and, and invest in other people around them. This is, this is what's made the church multiply. This is even why we're here today. A couple thousand years after that moment when Jesus departed and commissioned his disciples to go is because they actually took him at his word and did what he asked them to do. Like what a miracle. We're celebrating 13 years, but Jesus' church is really celebrating a couple thousand years all across this world in every language and every people group. The good news of Jesus Christ has been established in people's hearts. The kingdom of God is bearing fruit and multiplying because people that have been impacted by the love of God are willing to not just live for themselves and try to make significance happen for themselves, but have determined in their heart that they are going to be someone that now invests what God has put in them and somebody else. Maybe it's one of your kids, maybe it's a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, somebody you go to school with, but you have made a conscious decision to not just keep it all for yourself. This is what kills churches is when we just make a determination that it's all about me, what I want and what I need and how, how I need my needs met. Like it is so easy for us to get stuck in that spot. And, and it's so powerful though, when Jesus church recognizes what could happen when you and I take what we've been given as small of amount as it might feel, as insignificant as you might feel right now, but just to honestly take a look at you and go, man, I can just do what what been given to me. I can just begin to give to others. I was thinking back as I was writing this sermon on a super significant guy in my life. His name was Wes. He became my youth pastor when I was like a senior in high school. And at first I didn't like him because, you know, I just was one of those kids at, at church. I don't know if you resonate with those guys, but I, my parents mostly made me come to church. It wasn't like, Yay, I can't wait to, uh, if you have teenagers, uh, hold on, okay? Like, it gets, it gets different. And, and, and God, God used him in my life in a powerful way. He was there the day that uh, God called me to be a pastor. He was there the, the, the first time I ever preached my first message. He gave me 20 minutes on a Sunday morning at youth church, and I went six and a half because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> he was like, all right, I'll go up and fill the other, you know, 15 minutes for you, uh, he was there um, when I was discouraged and burned out and bitter in ministry. He was there teaching me how to set up chairs for the very first time. He taught me how to lead small groups. He taught me how to preach. He was there in so many significant moments. And I think about what he gave to me in those moments. It wasn't, it wasn't earth-shattering stuff. It was a hunger and a passion inside me to know Jesus more. It was a hunger to grow and learn. I, my, my first leadership books were given to me by Wes. 
He, he was the one that was willing to say, you know what, I'm going, to, I'm going to help you become who God made you to be. Did he do it perfectly? Absolutely not. But I look back at that investment in my life and I thank God for men like him that were willing to go first and take notice in a young guy like me that was kind of annoyed by him at first, but willing to invest in me in those seasons. I think about, you've experienced people in your life that way, and, and, and I think many of us even long for that kind of investment in our lives, but what significance really starts to be stirred out of is a heart that says, you know what, not, not only do I want that for me, but I want that for everyone that I know to experience that kind of investment, that kind of hope, that kind of, of belief in them, and, and, and multiplying an effect of what God could do through their life. Like we all need that kind of champion in our life. And how many more thousands need somebody like us to believe in them in that way and in their life? I think about over the last 13 years, I was reflecting just this morning on all the early morning. You know, we didn't start in a building. We started in an elementary school. We started with a U-Haul full of chairs and a, and a trailer uh, that we had to, you know, drag out of somebody's farm up north every Sunday morning at five in the morning. And inevitably, it felt like it always, the lock on the trailer was always frozen. And so we're like, you know, trying to like breathe on it or like got a little like lighter, you know, we're holding underneath the thing. Finally, some super sophisticated guy finally brought a torch with him like every week. He's just like, oh, we're torching this thing. I don't even care. We're heating this thing up because it was always frozen. We couldn't get in. We're like standing outside at 530 in the morning, freezing. I, my wife and I would often joke because I'd help in all the setup and the teardown and, um, you know, my pants would inevitably uh, end up with an awkward rip in them at least once a month, you know, like, so I'd be preaching like this, you know, most, most, most often uh, trying to make sure that this awkward rip didn't show up on a Sunday, you know, it was, these moments were moments that, that were so impactful, not only in my life, but in so many others' lives. Like, we're sitting here today because somebody said, you know what, I'm not just going to be concerned with my own life and what's in it for me, but there's significance that, that, that can be multiplied through this life into other people's lives. And we, we desire to be those kind of people where significance is actually who we are where eternity is actually impacted by us and lives are shaped through us. And many of us, I think, would sign up for this and say, yeah, I'm in, Richie, like, I want to have that kind of a life. But, but many of us have no idea how to do that, no, no idea how to get there from here. You know, we create systems around here and we're like, hey, lead a group or lead a team or help with this thing. And, and all those things are kind of designed to help you get your feet wet in this. But I think at the core of it is a desire, a hunger that God's got to put inside of you to become a person of significance. And if you have that, God will shape that inside you to, to bring you to a life that's actually invested in other people. Well, I love the description of the disciples in Acts 4.13. They were unschooled, ordinary men that spent time with Jesus. I think we fit into that job description. I think every single one of us could be those kind of people that are unschooled and ordinary, but man, we are committed to spend time with our Savior and allow his power to flow through us into the people around us. That's the kind of commitment that it takes for us to be Jesus Church. Not rocket science, not some degree, not some biblical kind of understanding of the entire, like you just gotta have a heart that wants to live for significance. And God loves that heart and can do something so powerful with that heart. But I wanna talk about how for a few minutes today because I think, I think you can move towards significance today. 
you're going, Richie, how do, I, how do I begin on this journey towards significance, a life of impact in other people's lives? Number one, I, I would say start with what Jesus calls us to, is die to yourself. If you're going to have significance, hopefully you're taking notes or jotting stuff down because dying to yourself is at the foundation of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. He said, if anyone's going to come after me, he must, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. This is Luke chapter nine. At the core of Jesus' invitation is, a, is an invitation to die, to die to our priorities and our desires and our way of living and to really maximize our our impact and our significance starts in a place of self-sacrifice and humility and willingness to do things God's way. Not exert my will and my desires, but exert God's will and his desires as the primary drivers in my life. Die to yourself. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, uh, in Philippians chapter two, he says to them, do nothing, not like a little bit, but nothing. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. This is how you die to yourself. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. He goes on to say, this is how Jesus lived. That, that though being in the very nature of God, he considered equality with God not something to be held on to or grasped, but he, he gave that up and, and actually succumbed himself to being a human here on this earth, walking amongst us and willingly took on death, even death on a cross on our behalf, so that at the name of Jesus, every, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is, this is what Paul is saying. This is the kind of life that Jesus lived. This is the kind of life that you and I have to live if we are going to have significance in this life, if we are gonna become who God made us to be, die to ourselves. I think about how challenging this is. This is every single day. This is not like a good concept. I agree, Richie, I, I needed to die to myself more. This is like every little moment of every single day. This is an attitude, this is a heart posture, this is a prayer. This is a constant, constant pursuit. God, I wanna have less of me and more of you, less of my will, more of your will, less of my leadership and more of your spirit, God. Paul gives us some real good clues in this passage to Philippians 2. He says, you know, you just gotta consider others better than yourself. You gotta think in terms of humility, not think in terms of me first, think in terms of others first. And if you ever struggle with this, I want you to look to Jesus as your model. This is, this is who he is. This is the essence of Jesus is humility, willingness to lay his life down so that you, can, you and I can experience the life that we've been given. The world, will, the world will preach at you the opposite of this in lots and lots of ways. It is so essential that you have this truth locked inside of your heart and you begin to filter decisions, attitudes, conversations, the way you respond to your spouse out of this heart right here. Die to yourself. Marriage will be much healthier if you each make this decision. Your parenting, how you go to school, every relationship will be so much more empowered when you make a decision to die to yourself. 
The other thing, if you're going, how do I, how do I become significant? How do I have a significant life, Richie? How do I begin to multiply and impact other people around me? One, die to self. Two is this, look for hungry people. If you're taking notes, you got to get this. This is so important. The wisdom of God is so powerful. Jesus is doing this all the time in his life, in his ministry, in his teaching. He would tell a story about the kingdom of God, and, and he would leave it like this. Hey, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And people would kind of look at each other like, do I have ears? I don't know. Did you hear what he said? I think I heard what he said, but did you really hear what he said, right? Like there was this kind of like negotiation internally that everybody was forced to reckon with. Like, did I really get what he was trying to say? Did I really understand it? Is my heart really in tune with what he's saying or not? And he was doing this on purpose. He was stirring the pot of people's kind of minds and hearts and allowing them to wrestle with themselves and go, yeah, do I really want the kingdom or am I content with the kingdom of this world? Do I want a life of peace and joy and, 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 and hope and, and, and eternity? Or am I content with temporary things trying to satisfy this life? Do I really want significance or am I okay selling out to an insignificant life? Do you have ears to hear? Jesus taught his disciples, you know, don't take your pearls, these pearls of wisdom, this understanding, this grace that God has given you and cast it before swine. Don't, don't throw these pearls before swine, he said. Because if you do, they're going to trample them. These are people that don't want it, aren't hungry. It's not like literal pigs, right? But people that really don't want what you have to say. Don't throw it in front of them because they're going to trample the pearl. Then they're going to turn and devour you. That's what you do when you try to give pearls to people that aren't hungry. Proverbs is so full of understanding and wisdom around discernment, around the right kind of people for you to be engaged with and invested in. Jesus, when he's sending out his disciples, the, the 12, he sends them out in twos, and he's actually it's the 72. He sends all 72 out in pairs, and he's like, all right, I want you to go to all these villages and all these towns, and I want you to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. I want you to heal diseases and cast out demons, and I want you to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And when you get to these towns, I want you to find a house where, where your blessing will rest, where people will actually receive you. And if your blessing doesn't land there, if, if they're not a person of peace, then I want you to shake the dust off your feet and I want you to move on to the next house. And when you find that house, I want you to stay there until you are done in that town and you move on to the next town. There is this discernment that is required for you to have a life of significance of who are you really investing in. Many times we've invested in the wrong people. We've gotten hurt, we've gotten burned, we've gotten betrayed, we've spent a lot of time and energy and money and all these things that, that are really important that really make sacrifice and significance happen, but oftentimes we've done it with people that aren't really hungry. And then we're mad at them. And it was actually our foolishness that, that kept us from investing in the hungry people. And so the discernment is look for hungry people. Look for people that, that, that have a hunger inside them for the kingdom of God not one that you are trying to give them. I've done this so many times where it's like, I create almost like a codependence where it's my passion for Jesus. It's not actually their passion for Jesus. And I'm kind of like trying to give them my passion for Jesus. And then every time they run out of it, they come back to me like, you know, I just, I just don't have this passion for Jesus. You know, can you give me a little bit more? And 
And that's not good. That's unwise. That's, that is lacking discernment. And, and so for me and us to understand who are the ones that have a drive inside them for the kingdom, that are asking questions, that are reading books, that if you said, you know what, you really need to read this part of scripture, that they devour it and they come back with what they're discerning out of it. Like you got to look for these people to invest in on purpose, not casting our pearls in places that they don't belong. If you're looking for hungry person, people, God is going to begin to show you who these people are. They are not difficult to spot. When you find one, somebody to begin to invest in, start small. Don't start with like, you know, um, we're going to meet for four hours every day at 4 a.m. You know, like, oh, dear God, what are we doing? You know, like, just start small. Start with a Bible reading plan on, 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 the, on the Bible app. Start with, you know, a, a conversation, a week, a phone call, a text thread. Start small, but stay in this place of, of, of significance. Spend time with this person in relationship. Begin to pray for them and show them what God is doing in your life. And as you're showing them, begin to help them identify places that God is speaking to them about their life. And call them to a place of obedience. Call them to a place of response. God is saying to them about their life and places that they need to mature. And I would say this too. At the very core of this whole thing is model maturity spiritually. Model love. Model what it looks like to forgive and to overlook offenses. And be somebody that's like gracious and loving. When you model the kingdom in somebody's life, impact begins to happen in their life. Start in this very small way. And you're going to see significance grow in your life as you begin to invest. And don't try to do this with 50 people. Do it with one. Do it with two or three at the very most if you're super organized. And I mean that, right? Like many of us are so scattered. We got no margin in our lives. It's going to take some serious organization for us to make some margin, to send these kinds of texts, to spend this kind of time with people. Look for hungry people. And the last thing I'll say is how do we become more significant? Die to ourselves. look for hungry people. And the last thing is this, never give up. I had you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 earlier, and this is where the conversation gets real for me is that faithfulness always begets fruitfulness. And if we lack faithfulness and consistency in people's lives, fruitfulness will never come. The significance that we long for, if we're just kind of a flash in the pan, flitting around from different person to different person, different relationship to different relationship, not steady, not steadfast, not consistent, we will not have significance. But if we can grow in our ability to be faithful in very small places and very small ways and keep after this, this investment in people, God will take that grit and that determination and that faithfulness and begin to multiply fruitfulness in your life for generations to come. In the lives of those that you're interested in. It won't happen just overnight like, hey, I made a disciple, it was awesome, you know. It's going to take weeks and months and years compounded on top of each other. Here on this 13 year celebration of our church's existence, I can't help but think about all the faithfulness of so many people that have gone before you. So many of you are brand new or so new to real life. And I love that you're new, but you gotta know that you're here because of other people's sacrifices. Like even that we're gathering in this place that 
I'm holding this microphone is because of people's willingness to say, you know what, Jesus, your kingdom has got to come first in my life. Some of you are sitting here because somebody said, you know what, I need to, I need to invest in somebody beyond myself. I need to make time and spend, spend energy on somebody besides myself and help them become who God made them to be. I just look at this as an opportunity for us to really evaluate, are we becoming somebody who is significant? Or have we maybe given up or been flaky or flighty in our relationships and our investment of other people? And God is challenging us to be a people who are faithful, who experience fruitfulness that, that, that is built in the endurance and the grit and the determination to keep going after the kingdom. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says it so well. Paul says to the church in Corinth, so we do not lose heart. This is verse 16. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. We can get some amens on the outer self wasting away, right? But inside, inside, that's where strength is coming. That's where maturity is happening. That's where this, this faithfulness is being built. This inner self is being renewed day by day. For the light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. These light and momentary afflictions, these difficulties that we are enduring are preparing for us something that is so much more eternal than what we can really even comprehend beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're temporary, they're going away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. You are made for more than this. You were made for something so significant that lives in eternity would be shaped through you, that your kids would know the love and the grace of Jesus, that they would actually be shaped for the purpose of God. I've always dreamt of our girls going so much further in the kingdom than we could ever have gone in our lifetime. But we always look back at my wife's grandparents and parents and these faithful people that have been a part of our legacy and helping get us ready for what God has called us to. What a joy to know that we are never giving up in our determination to help people experience the grace and the goodness of God. And as we are faithful, fruitfulness is gonna be born for generations to come. Oh, we can't see it now, real life. We can't see the next 13 years of this church's existence. We can't see the next generations and what God is gonna do through them. But we are determined to never give up and believe that the significance that God is wanting to build in these lives is gonna be bought in the very small moments, these tiny little moments of us dying to ourselves and deciding to put somebody else ahead of us and considering them better than ourselves and saying, you know what, I gotta spend some time and love this person and inspire this person and encourage this person and pray for this person and help them become who God made them to be. Help them to dream what God dreams for their life. Help them see the, the eternity that God is shaping them for, the impact that God has built them for. For us to recognize that the church of Jesus has always been multiplied from generation to generation when somebody makes this decision, you know what, I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I am determined to live a life of impact and significance by giving this life away so that other people can experience the goodness and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. That's what makes Jesus' church powerful.
is when Jesus' people recognize, freely I have received, so freely I give. All the grace that God has poured out on these lives, all the favor, all the love, all the mercy that, that when you woke up this morning was brand new. God, would you make us a people that actually invest these same things in the people around us. Make us a people that see others more significant than ourselves, God. We see this life as an opportunity for people to experience what God is doing and what he wants to do in them and through them. The same verse in a different translation says, we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. <laughs> on the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times, they're small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things that we see now are here today and gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. God, make us a people of significance. Today really is the beginning of our 14th year as a church. It's a moment for us to evaluate why we're here, each of us personally, and what we're willing to invest in the future of what Jesus wants to do in Spokane and across the world. And I believe that Jesus has called each of us here for a reason today, for us to evaluate where we stand with him personally, what we're willing to sacrifice, what kind of life we're gonna live, what kind of people we're gonna be, what kind of heart we're gonna have. I believe that Jesus is meeting you right where you are, speaking straight to you. That's how good he is, that's how powerful he is. He knows every one of your stories. Every single one of us, he is, he's prepared this moment for you. Don't waste it. Every year on our, our anniversary, I, I like to just read this story to remind us of who we are, what we're called to. The story goes like this. On a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a little life-saving station building was primitive and there was just one boat but the members of the life-saving station were committed and kept a constant watch over the sea when a ship went down they unselfishly went out day or night to save the lost because so many lives were saved by that little station it started to become famous consequently many people wanted to be associated with the station give their time give their energy give their finances to support its important work New boats were eventually bought, new crews were recruited. Even a formal training session was offered. As the membership in the life sta saving station grew, some of the members kind of became unhappy that the building was so primitive and that the equipment was so outdated. They wanted a better place to welcome the survivors pulled away from the sea. So they began to upgrade. They began to replace the emergency cots with beds, put better furniture in the enlarged and newly decorated building. Now the life saving station became a popular gathering place for its members. They met regularly, and when they did, it was apparent how much they loved each other. They greeted each other, they hugged each other, they shared with one another the events that had been going on in their lives. 
But soon, fewer and fewer members were now interested in going to sea on these life-saving missions. So they hired lifeboat crews to do this work for them. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast and the hired crews brought in the life-saving station boatloads of cold, wet, dirty, sick, and half-drowned people. The beautiful meeting place became a place of chaos. All the carpets got dirty, the exquisite furniture got scratched. Property committee immediately met in an emergency session and had a shower built outside the club so that these victims of shipwrecks could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a rift, a division in the membership, and most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities, they called them, because they were unpleasant. And they were kind of a hindrance to the normal fellowship and social activities of the members. So other members on the other sides began to insist that life-saving was still their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. But they were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save lives of all these half-drowned people, would be shipwrecked, they could begin their own life-saving station down the coast. And you know what? That is exactly what they did. As the years passed, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old and evolved into a place of for people to meet regularly, for fellowship, for committee meetings, for special training sessions about their mission, but few people went out to the drowning people anymore. The drowning people were no longer welcomed in that new life-saving station, so another life-saving station was founded further down the coast. History continued to repeat itself. And if you visit that seacoast today, you'll find a number of find a number of adequate meeting places, ample parking, plush carpet and exclusive clubs. Shipwrecks are frequent in those waters, but most of the people drown. When I hear this story, it just reminds me that we live in a city that is drowning. Hopelessness and pain and addiction. We watch the news, you could see just the agony that our world is in chaos of people drowning. There's people who have been rescued out of the ocean. It's incumbent on us to recognize the gift that we've been given and the place that we are been, been established and the opportunity that we have to continue to row these little lifeboats out to sea and rescue as many people as we possibly can out of the drowning waters of their lives. I believe that God is calling us as a church to just reawaken this passion inside of us and not lose sight of the fact that we are on a mission to reach this world for him one person at a time. Our prayer is that you would be a part of this with us. That you would make today a, a, a stake in the ground, a moment where you say, you know what? Enough insignificance, enough living for myself. God, I'm yours. In fact, I'd love to just pray over you today. If you would, stand to your feet with me for life. 
God, you see your people here today. You see your church. God, you know every single one of us by name. You know every struggle and every pain and every uncertainty, every one of our hearts. Yet, God, you call us. You call us, God, because you've rescued us. And God, the, the rescue that we've experienced, God, we know that thousands and millions more need to experience, God. I, I just pray, Lord, that you would fill each of us, God, with a, a burning passion, God, to become someone of significance, God. That gives our lives for other people to experience you. Gives our, our hearts and our time and our energy, God, for people to experience your love and your grace and your mercy, God, the way that you've been pouring it out in our lives, Lord. For anyone in this room, God, that doesn't have a relationship with you right now, Jesus, I pray that your mercy would just be poured out in a miraculous way. God, give them courage right now to just turn to you. If you're here in the room and you don't have a relationship with God, it's Jesus. It's only by Jesus that you can be made right with God. It has always been Jesus, and it will forever be Jesus. It takes a repentant heart, a heart that says, God, I need a Savior. If you would turn to him right now, his arms are open wide to you. No matter where you've been, what you've done, how drowned you feel like your life is, his arms are open to you today. Turn to him right now in the name of Jesus. God, your church is called and commissioned by you. We stand here collectively, God, receiving this call and receiving this commission and thanking you, God, for entrusting us to be this life-saving station that you've called us to be, Jesus. We trust you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank God together for 13 amazing years of his grace and his power in our lives? I'm so excited for this next season and what God's going to do in you and through you. And I can't wait to celebrate with you as God just continues to change lives.